welcome to another regular episode of Darker Days Radio. And I am one of your regular hosts, Chris, and I am joined, as always, by James. Hello, James. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's good, good, good. I've had a very busy week. And we are joined by a uh, pair of fellows from Flyos Games. Uh, we are joined by Tomas and also by Gary, who are the co-founders of Flyos, who, of course, we're talking to because we're talking about the Vampire the Masquerade Chapters miniatures board game. So hello, you two. Hello, Thomas, and hello, Gary. Hello, guys. Hi, guys. How's it over in uh, Montreal right now? Is it cold and rainy or cold and snowy? Uh, both. Or is it cold and something else? Both. <laughs> both. Cold, rainy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it, it's not a pleasant place to be right now. So, uh, uh, yeah, let's get some coffee Excellent. and talk about okay. something. <laughs> so before we get straight into um, what you guys are doing with uh, chapters and we talk about the design of it, we're going to go over a quick bit of gaming news that's been going on. So right now, related to Vampire the Masquerade, of course, Cults of the Blood Gods Kickstarter, by the time this goes out, will have been over. But it's been really good to read because we've got all the new information about the cults of like Mithras, uh, the Serpent Cult, the Canite Heresy. We've also got necromancy rules now for the Giovanni and the cults of the Hecate. Fall of London is already out on PDF and is up for pre-order by this point. I guess the pre-order being finished and hard copies might be at some point coming out. Uh, also, we've got the Secret Frequency Files is out, James, isn't it, on uh, on Storyteller Vault? Yeah, it's um, it's doing, doing pretty well, actually, isn't it? It's doing rather well. So that's a Chronicles of Darkness PDF that we have published through the Storytellers Vault. It has content for Vampire the Masquerade, uh, sorry, Vampire the Requiem, Mage, The Awakening, Geist, The Sin Eaters, uh, and uh, it covers numerous folklore, myths, legends, and has game content for those. Um, also, previous episodes and things going on, um, you know, Mike, I know Crystal's currently at Midwin the Midwinter Gaming Convention, so again, there's some more things that have been announced by Onyx Path about uh, they came from beneath, uh, they came from the graves, so they're doing they came from beneath the seas, but with zombies. Uh, and there's also been, we've also got some episode content that's come out about Exalted Essence and Scion and all these other things. So those are previous episodes that you can go back and listen to. And then the other big thing, by the time this has gone out, is announced is that I will be on, I will be one of the guest speakers at the Swansea Comics and Game Convention. So I'll be there with Howard Ingham and Matthew Dawkins. We'll be on a panel talking about horror RPGs. And then I'm going to have a panel to myself, oh my God, talking about my whole history related to Games Workshop Gaming and how I've gone from being a hobbyist to someone that worked in their shops when I was an undergrad to now writing for, I can say I write for two. I can maybe hint that maybe I'm writing for all three Warhammer settings for the RPG. And uh, that's pretty much all the gaming news I can think of. Have I missed anything, James? Um, no, no, I think, I think you've, uh, you've got that on the head. Right. And so with the gaming news done, we can shoot over to the main interview segment.
So, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Chapters, then, is a miniatures board game, which, of course, is, vamp- is based on Vampire the Masquerade. It uh, uses Montreal as a setting, I believe. Are you guys are going to correct me on that one? Correct, yeah. And that's great you're using it, because obviously you guys know Montreal, so always write about and design about a world that you understand really well. So... Before we get fully started into what the game is about, uh, we want to understand a bit more about who Flyos is, who you two are. So how about just give us a brief interview about, you know, your gaming career, like what games got you into gaming in the first place, how you how you got to where Flyos is now, and what your kind of long running kind of feel feelings and connections are with World of Darkness and, and Vampire. Well, we've been a... Uh, uh players of uh, VTM for over 15 years now. Uh, we started on the V3 when we were uh, 16 and uh, 18 years old. So mm-hmm. Gary was the storyteller and I was the player. And over the time, we've uh, made a lot of campaign, a lot of fun. And uh, VTM is one of the cornerstone of our lifestyle, of our you know friendship history. So we wanted to, to keep that in our life um, well from the beginning. So. Uh, we've uh, created Flyos Game three years ago, and uh, we've made our first game on Kickstarter. It was a successful campaign, then production, then delivery, and then we've made a second one. And you know, uh, over the years, we've developed some um, uh, confidence, some uh, knowledge, and expertise. So we wanted to uh, make the game we've always wished existed. Um, mm-hmm. Something very cool about chapters is that it, it, it makes the bridge between um, Vampire the Masquerade and the board game industry. So yeah, that's that's what gave us into gaming. So we've been playing VTM for fifteen years, video games as well, and of course board games. Yeah, I mean you've been playing then you've been playing Vampire for as long as I have as well because I got in on revised um, revised edition. Um, and yeah, I mean, thinking about Vampire the Masquerade within in terms of board games. I mean, before before oh, obviously before chaps. Then I mean, the only things that we've really had other than the RPGs have been like Vampire: The Eternal Struggle, which is a card game, and the Vampire. Well, it wasn't Vampire the Masquerade. It was Vampire the Requiem. It was the Vampire the Requiem Prince of the City board game. Um, which I've never played, so I have no idea on how well that plays or, or whatever. But, I mean, those are the only things we've had really as board games. Um, okay, excellent. That's that's, a, that's um, a good introduction to things. Is there anything else you wanted to kind of expand on, other games that kind of influence your kind of thinking and things you like, liking games and things that, you, that inspire you? Yeah, I, I just add something to what Thomas said. Uh, we played a... Yeah, as he said, like for 15 years, but like you know, time passed by and it, it became harder to to assemble the same group of players every week. Uh, you know, with family, with job and stuff like that. So you know, the, the hardcore group of uh, of players became you know hard to to assemble. So that's one of the uh, the the reason that we wanted to make a board game. You know, playing a board game, you can play like. An hour and a half, and you know you play the scenario, and then you move on to something else. Yeah. And you always need when you play a tabletop RPG a storyteller, which is you know I was a storyteller, so 
I dig into this. I, I really love storytelling, but it's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of work uh, to, to create something, you know, fun. And when you're with a group of friends, sometimes you just want, you know, to relax and play all together and not, you know, organize like a, a campaign. So this is one of the reasons uh, chapters uh, has this structure. All your group of friends will be players and you don't have to care about storytelling. The storytelling yeah. is inside the game. So, yeah. Yeah. I think this is one thing, James. Um, like, so James, you've got you've you've um, previously backed things like Dark Souls, which is solo player kind of miniatures board game. Or obviously, we're big fans of Kingdom Death as well, and um, it's a very big. It's a it, it, solo play board games are huge now this, these days. I think aren't they, James? Like, there's so many different ones out there. Yeah, like, and certainly something where you can just play quickly with a group of friends because I've I've had similar experiences with my D and group D groups where I've moved around a lot and then you just you can't meet up with the same people for long enough to play a campaign. So yeah. A role play role play through a uh, a contained board game is um is really neat. And I mean I'm I was very excited after watching the video so so <laughs> So I guess I guess the the solo play or what um I remember what was it that uh, Karim uh, Muama who obviously works at White Wolf Paradox on developing the world of darkness um in house there uh, he calls it also karaoke board games because you kind of like it's a it's an interesting way of saying it but you know you are getting a role play experience a narrative experience through emergent um, gameplay. Um, so I think that leads us to the elevator pitch then for Vampire the Masquerade chapters. Do you want to? Oh, you you mean the? Um, uh... Give us a brief overview of what oh, sure. if, if you could in, sure. in, in as concise a way as you could. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, I will be concise, but also just uh, slightly correct what you said earlier. Sure. Miniatures are part of chapters, but they're not core to chapters. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. You can play the game. Miniatures are great because it gives you an overview. It gives you like a a warm feeling about your your character. But in the end, it's really about storytelling. It's about incarnating a character inside the world of darkness. So miniatures are there, but it's not the soul of the game. So that's yes. just a... and the the pitch. Um, I can give you like the very the shortest pitch ever. It's like it's yeah, a that's mix. good start. All right, the shortest pitch ever is it's a comparison, uh, obviously, but um, we call it an RPG in a box. That's the, the the tagline we have. It's an RPG in a box for uh, one to four players. And then the, the second comparison you can have it's a, a mix of what we like about like Gloomhaven type of games and um, time stories. You know, you live a story in a place where you can move characters and have a, a personal uh, tactic or system to play basically okay and i mean yeah you're right with i mean the miniatures that you, you're designing are there to help immerse you into the story they're not crucial to it because of course uh, i think some of the for some of the antagonists in the video uh, are simply more card-based counters is that right that you're aiming for as well so there's a mixture of how you uh, there's a mixture of tokens to represent antagonists and characters uh exactly. on the the play mats that you have and i mean yeah i mean i may well i am a, a war gamer and like my miniatures but miniatures are just tokens to help get the, give you another way of 
experience in the world. Um, okay, so in that case, as I said, with Gloomhaven and so forth, um, then there is a you can play this solo play. And what kind of uh, I guess I guess what we're trying to get is how structured is is this campaign? I guess how branching is it? Like if you would compare it to say Dark Souls, because James Dark Souls is quite I don't know how structured. I, I can't really talk, speak from experience on that. So, do you mean um, the, the board game or the video? The board game. Um, the board game. You're really like you're going to go through the rooms and you're going to fight the bosses that you picked. Like it's yeah. very very linear. Um, yeah. Whereas say Kingdom Death is branching and crazy and huge. So it's a question of where where do you feel where do you feel chapters fits within kind of the the um I want to say within the ecosystem of all these other board games that do have interesting and, and related takes on, on, on narrative play in that sense. Oh, uh, it, it would be much more closer to a Tinted Grail, for example, um, because the, the way we um, design and develop uh, chapters is much more RPG in, uh, in the core. What we wanted, the basic idea that we developed was, I want to play more VTM, but I can because people are not available. And I want to play solo because having always a storyteller is something tedious to come by. Mm -hmm. So what we wanted is to be able to play just like any video games, uh, but also give the freedom of choice of RPG. That's what we love about the green legacy uh, game uh, in storytelling. You don't you know, discard anything, but every single action and choice that you do and, and make have consequences. Um, if you go that way or that way, you're going to have some, uh, you know, uh, effect to, to that. So we've made possible with three different mechanisms, the freedom of choice of, um, you know, any kind of a tabletop player. Uh, should I go with a combat solution? Should I go with a dialogue solution? Should I just, you know, pace back and inv investigate more? So in every given situation, you always have a choice on how you want to do uh, anything. And even in the dialogue, um, for example, um, right now there is a, a prologue of the Ventru available on the Kickstarter page. And the way the Ventru uh, tried to have a diplomatic solution to a complex system, uh, have multiple outcomes, path, and resolution. Um, so this is the first uh, branching aspect uh, of any given scenario. But there is also branching path and consequences uh, scenario after scenario. If, for example, after one specific event, you decide to save a witness or to eliminate uh, eliminate it because there is some kind of masquerade breach, it will just bring you to scenario number two, scenario number three. That ju that's just an example. Yeah, but sure. What you do impact the story that you have and the outcome of the whole story. Yeah, it, it's um. I mean, what you're describing, I think, uh, it, 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 you've also you're also capturing kind of the feel, like, I guess, that um, you know, players that uh, gamers that have collected maybe for years, kind of uh, fighting fantasy books in that sense as well. Then that 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 solo role play experience um, with all the branching and different solutions. Um, James, you got any other questions that you wanted to build on, or any points you wanted to expand uh, to uh, to expand upon in that? Um, not uh, not so much in like the the pitch. Like it sounds, uh, I I I dig the uh, the direction you guys are going in. That sounds it's it sounds like um, a really 
a really solid product that fits a, a niche that I think a lot of people are looking for. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess then with the branching play format and knowing that um, how let's get this, let's try and get this right. So how much of a campaign is provided by the core game? Is it just a single campaign or there are there a few campaigns you can play through? Or and that then I think also leads into the other question of how replayable is the gameplay within chapters? Sure. Um, the game uh, happens in, as you said earlier, it happens in Montreal City. It's one big campaign uh, happening in Montreal City. And the campaign is divided in, at the beginning, 40 scenarios. We'll unlock more scenarios, side quests, uh, with the stretch goals. Because we don't want to affect the main story. We worked very hard on a main story that happens divided in those scenarios. And whatever we add to this campaign is like side quests that just you know give more depth to some characters, to some places in the city, but does not affect uh, the, the storytelling itself. Um, so each scenario uh, has um, com complete the, the, the main campaign. And as Thomas said earlier, when you're choosing a path, so for example, you're playing like a, physical character or character who would like to fight a lot like a gangrel or a bruja something like that and you want to approach your whole campaign by like a physical approach so every npc you encounter you want to fight them uh when you have to enter an elysium you want to break in and not try to find you know a diplomatic way to enter you can do that definitely but at the end of the campaign when you have your resolution that we're not going to spoil at all uh you are likely to replay the campaign from the ground up and try a new way. So for example, you played like uh, a Brucha, but you, now you want to try it with an Osferatu and try to be stealthy and sneak in, uh, get you know an investigation approach to things. You can, and you will play the same main story, but with a completely different style. You will encounter different characters and you will have a total different experience with the game. And this is exactly what we want players to feel, is that if I make this choice, what am I missing? But on the right thing, you know, like an RPG, if I do mm -hmm. this, what did I miss? I'd like to know. So maybe let's try it again. And you can play like a mix and match of every style of game. I mean, you're not forced to play like physical all the campaign because your character is evolving. At the beginning, we propose like an archetype of character uh, with some skills already noted on, the, on his character sheet. But if you want, like you're playing a Venturu and you want to make this Venturu who is like more social character uh, and turn it into a physical character, you can because you can place your experience point wherever you want and make the character you want and play the campaign as you feel. So at, uh, at some point of the, the campaign, you can start to hit people or start to talk or do whatever you want, whenever you want. It's your choice in the end. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think I think that that compares James. That compares quite similarly to in in a sense than like Kingdom Death, because again, Kingdom Death has the same end goal that you the, the final the final showdown that you get to is the same, but it's about the path that you get there and say the quality of of end that you possibly get because you've got different ways of building your characters, your survivors. So I guess there's yeah. a parallel there. The choices you make along the way are really where where things diverge and change, um, and yeah, you can play things in different ways, and that's that sounds uh, 
I, I just had to add a, a tiny detail to it, if you mind, if you're if you're okay. Uh, the, uh, the 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 final branching of the story is impacted by player's choice. Yeah. Uh, from your playing style, but also the choices that you make in the end, this will have an impact on how the campaign ends. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, that, that is, it's not just like the same, obviously for like good storytelling reasons, we needed just one main path, one main uh, structure, but yes. you will feel that some scenarios will be unlocked forever. So uh, as Thomas said earlier, if you make a choice, like for example, you try to uh, sneak in like a specific place, like a church or something, and you try to enter this church. But if you choose like a physical approach and you escape the uh, like the, the stealthy one, you will never play like for example scenario seventeen. That is the sneak approach of it. So your character yeah. will not even play the scenario. So this is why yeah. it's great to restart the campaign and discover new scenarios based on your playing style. That, that's just a detail I wanted to to add. Yeah, no, that, that 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 totally. I think that totally makes sense, and that's that's what gives you the the replayability is because sometimes the that you're basically getting at the point that that it's good that you've got um, different. You you get to the same you get to the the same sort of end, but there are variations on the choices. But also, as important is the path that you take, not just the end. It's the journey that is also part of the story. Um, Okay. Well, the, the story is the, the main element of uh, of the game. The whole story is um, canon yes. in, the, uh, in, in the World of Darkness. So when we approached uh, Paradox and White Wolf to explain them what we had in mind for Montreal, uh, we had this campaign in mind because we've been playing it for the last five years now. So it is mm -hmm. something that we, we live in Montreal. So we saw the city evolving in the last 12 13 years and there is something that we've we were read, reading in you know the 1999 um uh, uh montreal by night books that we were uh, still seeing but the city was evolving changing and when v5 mm -hmm. came out and uh, the rise of the second inquisition well obviously the kainite of montreal were the first one to be targeted like mexico city when you don't uh, respect masquerade and you're not proactively uh, looking to you know to preserve it and hunters are hunting you yeah you you just put a big target on your back and this was some that was the main main uh, first idea that we had so the whole campaign you can replay it um, however you want you can you know mix and match you can go for a combat style you can go for a dialogue for social for an investigation you you play a coterie of players up to four player and when you mm -hmm. play four player and the core box has eight total uh characters so the main from the camarilla and the unarmed well you can play again with the same four uh characters and players and replay that campaign from a, a completely different angle doesn't mean you you're gonna play a different game yes you're gonna play the same story you're gonna know the hooks the characters, but the way and the details and the lore dispersed here and there is big. We we assembled a big team of creative people, and uh, we are very committed to uh, to the lore aspect uh, of that game. That's why, for example, we're working with Matthew Dawkins. That's why we're working with uh, other people that have wrote uh, some uh, binary books. So this is something 
uh, very important for us. The story is the main element, and yeah. it is a campaign play. This is why it's Vampire the Masquerade chapters. But as you can see, there is a one, which is a Montreal. That's the first game of the chapter series. Right. Um, I, I think the other thing I, I, um, I think, uh, James, I think, which from what from games we've backed that, you know, have come previously on Kickstarter in this kind of uh, field, um, it's good to hear that you've got a very firm grasp of what you want within the core game, in the box that people will be buying and what you will, what is going to be in stretch goals and so forth, because I think there's always, there's always the danger of, of, of system creep and, uh, and, and bloating of boxed games. Um, James, we can speak about that a lot, can't we? Yeah. Like we've had, um, we've had some experience. Well, uh, one of the ones that we, Chris and I played, we had a go at Dark Souls and it felt like a lot of the stuff that probably like should have been in the core game was in expansions and things. Um, because it was just a, a huge amount of, uh, just stretch goals, lots of stretch goals, lots of stretch goals that added so much core stuff. But the way that you're talking about it with, uh, adding kind of more depth and flavor sounds like a really like solid way. And it's one of the things that I like, like Chris and I like to see in campaigns when it seems like people really have an idea of what, uh, what they're making, like really mm. actually understand the product rather than just last minute heaping a bunch of extra, extra stuff on it. Yeah, and and I think that also means it's, it's a display of of properly planning a Kickstarter campaign, um, so it delivers a core product rather than trying to deliver as much stuff to people as possible, which often is not the best thing. Um, and I think the other thing by you saying how you've got flavor and side quests uh, as part of Kickstarter goals, I guess the design of chapters it looks like you can also quite easily provide more content as digital downloads uh, i kind of get the feel that that's that's quite that's that's fairly that could be a possibility so uh, there's a lot of, i feel there's a lot of confidence that what you're getting in the core experience is solid is solidly tested and and works and that what what people will be getting in the kickstarter initially with that isn't going to wildly change uh with you know how far, how, with a, however many kick, Kickstarter stretch goals you, you you smash through? Yeah, we had a conservative approach to this. We wanted, uh, with the minimum uh, funding goal, not to fake, like, uh, faint a situation. Like, okay, we will add this and this. Everything that is um, mandatory for the best experience is present day one. So yeah. no matter what happens to the campaign, you will have the best narrative experience the best you know uh, components quality everything will be the best we can deliver at the very beginning stretch goals are here to you know to dynamize uh, the campaign to give more to the people who gave us their trust and it's branching components so it's it's aggregate to the main storytelling it aggregates to the main game but just give like more excitement to it but it's not mandatory to have this. It's more to uh, thank the community. This is very, I mean, it's the basic uh, sense of what a stretch goal is supposed to be. That's what we are aiming for. Uh, we give 
the best we can at the very beginning to all players. No compromise on quality whatsoever. Yeah. So, uh, you mentioned that this is a game that plays in, you can play it in sessions. Um, what's a kind of typical session like? Like how long maybe do they, do they run? Well, that depends on the player's pace, you know, but usually we go for a uh, 30 minutes per player. What we wanted to, to, to deliver is uh, an easy and convenient experience. Even in the, the processing of uh, setting up the, mm -hmm. the a typical session, um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, big campaign game where it, you have to uh, take 30 minutes to an hour to set everything up. And we wanted mm -hmm. to have something very easy and user-friendly to, you know, start the game in 10 minutes, it's done. And you can play for 30 minutes, maybe an hour, if you take your time to think about this through. But um, people in our lives right now, we are all, uh, you know, busy. There is a lot of things going on. So if you want a quick fix, you can. If you want to, to have a longer session, well, you just have to make just more uh, scenarios. And um, yes, that's the way you, we want it to, to provide the to provide it. So it's 30 minutes per player, per scenario. Okay. That's really good, isn't it, James? Because, um, I mean, that fits with the our experience of, like, you know, going back to Kingdom Death takes a while to set up. Each phase of it takes a while to resolve as well. Um, so knowing about the balance, as you say, about the focus on the players is really good. Um, how And actually, a related question, this comes back to, again, games like that, and to Dark Souls, we have a very we have a high criticism of something in Dark in the Dark Souls miniature game. Um, what kind of real estate does does the um, does chapters use up? So how much space? How big a table do you need to play it? Like, do you need a four foot by four foot table? Are we talking that size, or we or are we clearly talking more a nice coffee table size? It should be a nice coffee table size. The yeah. idea is that every scenario happens in one place. And when you move out to another place within one scenario, for example, this could happen. We won't tell you which one, but this could happen. You just switch the tile. So each uh, situation tile is quite big. We are working on the, the exact size, but they're quite, you know, it's, it's some important uh, size uh, things. But that's the only thing you have in the middle. And you have your character boards. Each player has its character boards. A set of dice. You have the uh, the event cards, a couple of tokens, and that's it. I mean, it doesn't spread all around the table, and everything in the core box will be well organized with, you know, um, uh, how can you call that? It's the, uh, an organizer, plastic yeah, tray organizer. Yeah, yeah, basically an organizer within. So everything will fit really well, and we we don't want other. Kickstarters to create like an organizer for our game, you know, and kickstart something like that. I mean, we will deliver this as well. That's the thing um, we learned on our previous game, uh, Until, uh, Until the Light. Um, we provided a lot of uh, add-ons because, you know, you can have some uh, deck holder to put all your card in together. You can have some play mats here and there. And at some point, one of our backers were saying, hey, uh, does everything fits in the same core box because I don't want to have a deck holder that doesn't fit anywhere to be on the side of my Kallax, which mm -hmm. is something that we can relate to. And uh, yeah, we actually changed the design of the box to make it fit. And that was very well welcomed by the community. And this is, we've always been very transparent from the beginning of our company because 
it's a Kickstarter. You're supposed to be trying to put something and if it fits and people want to support you, well, it, they can make it happen. But the community is very, very important for us. And the more we grow as a company, as designers and game designer, we dis we saw the, the value of the community impacting the way we were developing games. And for Vampire the Masquerade chapters, we went over and beyond and um, we made a Facebook group. And now we are close to 2,700 people on this. People that mm. are actually requesting to be a part of the team, to be a part of this story, to you know make some contests, uh, response surveys, uh, giving us some insight how they play. So we uh, tailor-made that approach even here to make sure that every single thing uh, could fit. Uh, even on the forum, we still are receiving a lot of great ideas about it. And this is exactly what we wanted to do, to deliver something perfect for the kind of player that we are. Uh, yeah. The only frustration Gary and I we have is that we're not going to be able to play that game as if a regular player, because we will know all the hooks and yes. everything. But that's the sacrifice we are <laughs> able course. to do for you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's the sacrifice of being a storyteller, I think. But the joy is, you're, the other joy you're going to have is more seeing uh, how people play through it and what their stories are that emerge. I mean, yeah. with such branching uh, stories, there's only so much you can... Um, you, you know, and as you add more things, there's there's going to be so many combinations that even you may have not realized, or solutions you may not have realized. Is is there a sort of what is there a sort of structure to a session? Like you know, you you how you determine the scenario and and what the and, and then you play through it, and then you know the kind of tidying up and resolution of the scenario. Um. The way chapters works is we get uh, inspired by uh, like a book actually how a, how a book is divided into chapters. Every character will have its own uh, prologue, which is basically a tutorial to teach you uh, more about the rules, the game rules. Like for example, the Gangrel uh, prologue is about combat, one v one combat. Um, Ventru is about dialogue system, etc., etc. So each character will have its own prologue, which is like 15 minutes to play top. And then you begin with scenario number one. You will discover uh, how the plot started. Uh, an old threat looms from the underground and come back to Montreal after everyone thought they were gone. And this is how the story begins. You are starting in uh, a park, and you know everything is starting to, to, to build up. And then depending on your choices, you will move to scenario two, scenario three, maybe scenario four or five, et cetera, et cetera, all along the campaign. As Thomas said earlier, it's 30 minutes per player per scenario. So you can play one scenario, two scenario, three scenarios per night. It depends on you. Some scenarios will have like a go back to uh, your routine type of uh, things. Others will need to, um, you know, to be, it's the sequence, the direct sequence of the previous one. So there's some sort of temporality within, meaning that, for example, you are uh, following someone and you complete a scenario and you get to move to the next scenario. You don't have the time to heal up. You don't have the time to satisfy your hunger. So you will move to the next scenario with the same handicap you had previously. Right. So okay. with your hunger, your stuff. But other scenarios will allow you to rest, to 
feed yourself. We're working hard on a new feeding system. We are not talking about it right now because we are preparing something great uh, quite soon. But mm -hmm. with some, you know, you have to feed, and obviously, we also have like a masquerade tracker. This is something we're, we're very proud of because if you're messing with the masquerade, which is core to Vampire, this will affect the whole campaign. So you will mm. have breach in the masquerade. Maybe you will encounter some inquisitors. We won't say more about it, but this will completely affect you, the way you interact uh, within people in the city. That's quite cool. James, that's that's something I don't think we've seen much of in other minis in, in other similar games, I think, is that kind of dynamic escalation of of threats and uh I think I I think that what you're talking about with the second inquisition and that masquerade tracker, it's almost kind of like a stress tracker where you know, it is. can you can you manage that while also you've got to pick and choose the powers you're using. You can't just brute force everything all the time. No, you can't. And uh, going beyond the, the, the masquerade is uh, something very uh, frowned upon in the Camarilla uh, and Kindred mm. side. And sometimes you have archers to do. Sometimes someone saw you fitting on a, on a human, so you have to decide uh, what can I do to make him forget. Well, if you have Dominate, that's kind of a, an easy way out. Maybe you can transform him into a ghoul. But sometimes you just have to make him disappear. And this will also impact your humanity. So depending on your <laughs> level of humanity, you're going to have some bonuses, some penalty um, with kindred, with kind. So yes, the, your character is not set. It mm. comes preset with you know, skills and disciplines, but you can make it evolve in humanity, in a masquerade level for the whole campaign that will increase, of course, the level of difficulty through uh, a lot of scenarios. So yes, it, it's a living story. You, you're not mm. playing a, a preset things. And why are we uh, choosing to to make a, a whole campaign over a year period? Is that it, it allow us to uh, introduce step by step after the prologue that's going to introduce to very uh, specific mechanism um, to uh, mix things up and make every single scenario something different and uh, enjoyable. Sometimes you're gonna play and maybe uh, work or uh, going outside in the snow, it's gonna be different than if you are going into uh, the summer uh, mm. in the same place. So this is something that we wanted to, to, to make feel to, to the players. You are taking place in a whole campaign that makes sense, that uh, has been approved very quickly by uh, White Wolf and, uh, and Paradox. Well, it, it took actually one meeting uh, at Gen Con. Mm. It was, we could see chills uh, with Donna de Vier. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling to be delivering uh, the best game we can, the best game we wished existed. And this is a living campaign. This is a living story. Just to complete Excellent. what Thomas said about oh, yeah. uh, seasons, it's, it's just a, an artistic uh, point of view because in the company, uh, Thomas, is, Thomas and I are working on the uh, game design, both of us. Every component, Thomas is very, uh, you know, he has all the sense of lore. He knows VTM by heart. And I'm more on the artistic side. I know all the, the graphic and, you know, the, the, the details and stuff like that. Um, the seasons, 
are also there because of the, the aesthetic of uh, the aesthetic, sorry, of, of Montreal city. Montreal is uh, a beautiful city uh, in every type of seasons. The snow here, the uh, fall, uh, every season is just just give a new heart and a new soul to the to the city. And we wanted to translate that visually. So, in a tile uh, that has like snowy effects, this is going to be like uh, very very. Um, we're very attentive to details, and this mm. has to translate to players. Uh, James, have you got any other questions or, or points that you wanted to expand upon with that? Vampire the Masquerade, in its current edition, has a very particular uh, systems design to reinforce things like hunger and humanity. And of course, if we go back to the very origins of Vampire the Masquerade, I mean, the dice system mechanically... Uh, is is very recognizable and you see its DNA in so many other games uh, these days, you know, dice pools and so forth. So how how much is chapters cleaving to, cleaving being a, a good term to use from Vampire Masquerade Edition, how much is it cleaving to to the RPG? So we're talking character sheets, dice, target numbers, hunger dice, all those things. And where do you feel like you had to kind of break away from it to um, break away to get the the right kind of gameplay for the board game? It was a very easy decision and uh, porting actually because the V5 uh, system compared to V3 that we've played for uh, so long, um, the V5 is a push your luck mechanisms with the hunger. And this is something very uh, common in the board gaming industry. And something much more stable, much more you know, thrilling as a, a player experience. So, in terms of character shit, we had to, of course, to simplify it because uh, this game is easy to play, easy to to go into. It's a very good introduction game to player that never played Vampire: The Masquerade before. But it's also a game hard to master. So we needed to make a character shit easy enough and complete enough to be able to uh, sustain that feeling of a tabletop RPG, especially from old players coming from, uh, you know, such a, a lengthy time of play. Uh, what we wanted to do with, with it is provide the miniature of your character. You're playing in one scene uh, per scenario. Sometimes you're playing a double scene when it's a very lengthy one, but uh, most of the time you're playing in one scene. And this scene is taking place in one specific location in Montreal. So. Um, if you uh, live in Montreal, you're going to recognize the city. If you don't and you want to travel, you'll be able to, uh, you know, feel at home when you uh, play through the whole game. But compared to uh, the tabletop RPG and the board game, it's a mix. It's a bridge between two. And we've developed something very, uh, you know, easy to play, hard to master. And when you are playing it, you are using, for example, in combat, some skills and some combat skills. So you have your miniatures, you're in your scene. So you can pretty much close your eyes and see your character living in the scene in this room. And we are showing you and illustrating you the move you're actually doing. So you're pretty much there. And that's what we wanted to, to do, something very immersive. And the immersion is the best uh, way of describing the gameplay that we have. On a technical level, we reduced the uh, attributes to three attributes. So there's no subcategories to the attributes. Mm -hmm. uh, each skill uh, portion, we have 15 skills now. 
only we we removed a couple 15 okay yeah uh, i mean when what i saw the preview of the character sheet um made me feel quite confident in in that reduction because that kind of reduction is also done in chronicles of darkness to represent spirits you take all the the three blocks and just turn it into one stat for each of those blocks so it's a natural yeah. thing to do already yeah kind of <laughs> Uh, one thing we simplified from the uh, just one thing before we, we we go into the details, we're not intended to replace the tabletop RPG. The tabletop no. RPG is the you know it's the, the top things we can ever aim for. I mean this is human creativity. It's the juice of creativity. This is something we will never reach ever, and this is not the intention. This is like like Thomas said, a bridge to drive people to play like. A, what to have the feeling of a, an RPG inside a board game. So uh, in terms of um, one thing we changed, and I think we really like it so yeah. far, it's the um, uh, every point you have in your um, attribute is considered a dice to roll. Every skill you have is an automatic success. And this is something oh, okay. that will reduce frustration. It's not only roll dice and hope for successes, if you're good at something, if you have three in Brawl, for example, you hit three points. You give three damages automatically. And if you have three in your attribute, in your physical attributes, then you roll three dice to increase the strength, the power of your punch, for example. This is something okay. that's slightly different from the, the tabletop RPG, and that's, that works really well with the board game to keep, like, you know... Or, uh, there is less yeah. random. It's yeah, we reduce the randomness yeah. of it. We yeah. also reduce the amount of uh, of points for each discipline, only three Ooh. points per discipline. Um, and disciplines are per character. I mean, you can't learn new new disciplines for one type of uh, uh, kindred, except if you're playing the caitiff. This one, you can choose the three disciplines you want, whatever the discipline it is. This is the, the one of the tiniest difference we have for the, okay. the, the character sheet, for example. I mean, that's not the, I think that's really cool, cool isn't it, James? The, the idea that there's some, there's an automatic competency that you feel with your character. So again, it's, it, it can, some games can feel very drawn out where you're constantly rolling and just by pure pure bad luck all the time you're not really advancing the game any any further because you keep whiffing on the dice and you know it, it's something that's probably easier to deal with when you're when you're playing a pen and paper role play game with an actual gm there if you if you critically fail at a point where really the whole story is in danger of going completely off the rails and like you know you try and offer the king a biscuit and you accidentally slip over and stab him. And you're like, well, that's that's the whole like whole campaign out. You know, you can you can maybe adjust for that more if you've got someone there. Whereas um you're in a board game, you know, you you have like a little bit more assumed like a little bit more success, a forward path. You want to actually keep people on you know, if your character is good at something, they can do the thing that they're good at and you don't have to yeah. You don't have to have um, contingency plans for absolutely every situation going catastrophically wrong. Um, another thing I, uh, I saw in the, the most recent video of the game well, that gives some insight into the gameplay is these cards for combat. Could you elaborate on how those work? Sure thing. Uh, as um, as uh, we just mentioned, 
prior. Um, the combat system is something very, um, you know, um, visceral. What we wanted to do is to, uh, to to give players the impression that they are actually playing a vampire. They're playing kindred. And when you want to, to when you are in a combat situation, you're using specific skills and specific combat card uh, to actually illustrate what you are actually trying to do. Uh, depending on every single move that you do, it's going to have some uh, bonus and some penalty. So for example, right. you're going for a, a, a claw attack, you're going to be very swift. It's going to be very lethal. But maybe if you're not very co uh, confident and proficient in brawl as a gangrel, for example, um, maybe you're not going to be able to uh, have a, a good defense based on this. So it's going to give you a bonus on attack and a, mo uh, and a penalty on defense. And over the time, you're going to, uh, you know, unlock uh, some uh, specific uh, combat card that a uh, specific kindred master is going to be able to, to provide you and guide you and train you with. Um, this is something that we wanted to reward uh, players with. When you put some experience points in uh, skills, it gives you automatic success on every single um, throw and roll on that specific skill. But you cannot just go for the for the skills and don't put anything in the attribute. For example, yeah. if you are at three uh, in um, physical attribute and you have three in brawl, well, before you you put a fourth point in brawl, you need to put four in attribute because mm -hmm. you cannot go over what your body can actually handle. Uh, same thing for the social. You cannot be as you know persuasive if you're not charismatic. It doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. So same thing for investigation. You cannot be um, Sherlock Holmes investigation uh, good if you you are not as mentally skilled as him. So uh, that's the first um, thing that we've uh, put in place. But the, the combat is a reward to players that want to play uh, a physical approach to the game in combat and tacti uh, tactical and strategical way. And you can definitely do that uh, in it. If I'm right from the the card, so you am I thinking there's a kind of you you would have like a, a a deck of cards that your character has access to, as in the 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 way of fighting that represents the way they fight. Exactly. And these are randomly drawn, and it refreshes no. as you use moves. Um, you have up to your uh, you have a number of cards, so that's called your active hand, and you have uh, as much as active uh, card in your active hand as you have point in your physical attribute. Okay, so cool. it, the more you put in in attribute, the more you can distribute point in skills, but you also have more ways and proficient and uh, polyvalent ways of um, approaching uh, an opponent. So. Yeah. Uh, if you um, are very good at something, you're going to be able to unlo unlock um, some move that you, other people doesn't have access to, that have a better bonus, uh, a lesser penalty. And how we approach this in every single combat that you do, you have a, a kind of a three way of uh, seeing things. You can go all out in the attack, all out in the defense, but there is also a way of mixing things up and mm. go as you want. So sometimes you can parry and try to, to, to replicate with a quick jab or a quick stab or a quick kick. Uh, you're gonna be able to made, mitigate it, some kind of a strong attacks coming up you with, with, with a defense. And if you're very, very good at your defense throw, um, well, you're gonna have a bonus in initiative on the next mm. 
scene. So basically, you're using the flow of the combat. And um, that's something that we really want to make in the combat system, something visceral, something very close to the, the fight uh, in the um, martial art, for example. So yeah. yeah, this is something that we are very proud of because it's something very close to a, a, a combat system on its own, basically. Yeah, because I think I was just going to say that the, why, the, the reason why that sounds great is because obviously, again, go back to the pure tabletop experience. You have a GM that can elaborate on the combat scene and between you and the player you you create the narrative of what each dice roll represents but again this is a board game you don't have the gm there to help with the narrative so having something that mechanically is fun but also helps tell that narrative as well like the trading of blows and punches and blocks and kicks and you know fangs and claws and whatnot um that's really that's really good that's really cool. well that, that's your choice if you want to 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 bite someone or you want to fang him that's your decision that's your strategy that's what you want to do with that character and there's nothing more boring when you attack someone in, in a board game, in any kind of board game, um, to say, I'm attacking him and I'm doing him three point of damage. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. They, they, exactly. What are you doing? Can you explain me what you're trying to do? And yeah, I, I attack him, but how? And that's why we wanted to, to put that combat skill uh, in front of the combat system to make it something that you can close your eyes, see your character and your miniature on the scene doing that move. So you're very close to, a mise-en-scene kind of a, a situation where it's kind of a movie. Yeah, and supportive characters will also help a lot the combat system. So this applies for uh, combat characters, but you know, for example, you're playing uh, Toriador and you have the ability to discover the weakness of an NPC who the other player is fighting. You can, you know, use your uh, the disciplines to see more how this NPC will react to every specific type of, of, of attack. So oh. see, yeah, because every character, every NPC has a, a card that reveals his strength, his um, health points, uh, his uh, line of sight, stuff like that. Yeah. And some powers will help you unlock this. So it helps fighting characters prepare the adequate strategy to fight this character. So support roles in combat are also very important because you're not forced to fight in the game, but you can prepare the, the space for other characters to do it well. We actually made uh, the, the, the disciplines available uh, on the Kickstarter page where you can see how yes. we um, adapted all disciplines into uh, dialogue, combat, and investigation uh, situation. For example, if you use uh, level one or two of aspects, you can actually see the next move of your enemy. So, okay, I know he's going to go all out on defense, so maybe I can try to make something up here. Oh, he's going to go full on attack. Okay, let's make a, a big defense move here. So um, there is always a way to, to, to make yourself useful in your cautery. Um, for example, the the obfuscate is going to allow you to 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 do something, and if you do a mistake, you can just you know vanish and mm. maybe avoid some masquerade breach. Uh, in an investig uh, investigation system, the uh, 
documentation discipline is going to be very useful. So, and same thing for presents or dominate. This is something very social, of course, but in the, the, the way we've made the, the power, you can use them in social, but also combat situation where you can oh, yeah, charm, yeah. immobilize, force them to do something and to help you out for one specific round. So there is always different approach to a combat. This is not something that we wanted to, to, to make hard and complicated, but as always, easy to play and hard to master. Which leads to the, uh, the point of hunger because using disciplines, this is a similarity with B5, is all the hunger system, something that we really loved when we played the first games of V5 is the system of red dice, how the beast, the inner beast is, is uh, taking over the character. So every time a character is using a discipline or facing like a special event or something like that, you will have to do a rouse check for players who are not aware with vampire. A rouse check is basically you roll a dice, if you success, that's okay. If you fail your role, the inner beast is taking one step further inside you, inside the vampire within. So you move your tracker. So every character board has a hunger system mm -hmm. and you replace for every hunger, you replace a black die with a red die. And this yeah. leads also to willpower. Yeah. Willpower yeah. will help you reroll. If, if, for example, you missed your roll, your black die, uh, you can use a willpower point to take up to three black dice and re-roll it. But the more hunger dice you have, the less you can re-roll. So Thomas said it, it's push your luck. I mean, you can use as many power as you want, as many discipline as you want, but it's a big risk that you're taking. And obviously, mm -hmm. if you reach the last point or more, we're working on the technicities, but if you, you're the, the beast inside, the beast within, goes beyond what's acceptable on your character sheet well you go frenzy you yeah you're yeah. going frenzy and frenzy is also a mechanism from the game i'm sure for the for particular scenes then you'll have um you know frenzy will be contextually based as well because frenzy in a combat scene scene will be about ripping someone's head off whereas if you've breached frenzy in a more social scene it could be much more about feeding on someone or or, or something else sure, yeah. um, and no, believe me on that rp is not gonna like it rp is not uh, gonna like it one bit no um but it's great it's good i mean it's really good insight into how much you're you're keeping um the core feel of the v5 mechanics but obviously accepting that certain things work in a tabletop uh, environment and certain things need to be massaged and altered to fit uh, the gameplay experience of a board game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do our best to to make it like uh, you know the, the the best rules they have. We try to adapt it to a board game, and when it makes sense, we keep it. When we have to adapt it, we adapt it just to mm -hmm. make it you know seamless. And obviously, if any backer, this is why we're launching a Kickstarter, and we're not pushing this into a store. It's because we yes. like the community to participate and give us ideas. I mean, every day, there's not one single day without a great idea that pops up. Yeah. And we talk about it with Thomas a lot. And we say, okay, is this a good idea we want to implement? And if the idea is great, perhaps we'll adapt it and change the idea we had in mind and, and make it happen. So this is the rules from V5 have very, very great stuff that's really adapts well to our game. Vampire has a 
large uh, group of like well a large section of fans of Persians and bits and pieces. Um, what what kind of characters? Well, what kind of characters do we get to play? You you've mentioned that you can kind of take them in any different direction, but do you, how uh, like what kind of spread do you have for the I guess the starting characters because you mentioned they can develop however you uh, choose to take them. Well, that's a great question. Uh, we in the core box you have uh, eight characters available, so mainly the Camarilla and Anarch uh, sect. So uh, Toriador, Ventru, Malkavian, Tremir, Nosferatu, and Kaitif, and also Gengrel and uh, Bruja. So you have them all. Uh, as um, expansion add-on, you also have access to Banuakim, La Samra, and Ministry. Uh, in right. terms of um, variety on the different build of those character. Well, we've preset every single character in a specific way. Uh, for example, the uh, Bruja is very good at brawl and uh, intimidation. The Venture is very good at persuasion and insight. The Tremere is very good at occult and um, I've, uh, subterfuge. Um, the Gangrel is brawl. So you see, we've made some very yeah. specific uh, build, but it, it's not only physical, only social, and only mental. Some are, of course, but some are mixed and hybrid. For example, uh, you can see the, the Torador as an artist, which it is. It is an artist for sure, but there is also some celerity and mm -hmm. uh, the swiftness can be very, very uh, impactful in a combat situation. Um, you can, of course, get some XP after uh, every single scenario, so you can improve it the way you want. So we've preset this build in, you know, in a broad way, where if you want to play a physical, a social, or a, a mental archetype, you can. But if you want to play a physical, social, or social, mental, or mental, physical, you can as well. Um, they are all available. Uh, we've made actually a, a quiz uh available on our kickstarter page so if you're you know uh curious about what kind of gameplay you should play what kind of character you you could play and what's very core to to to, to the way you you usually play uh rpg you can get into uh, the kickstarter page click on the character guide uh respond to a few questions and we're gonna tell you which kind of character you you should be playing but Sometimes we're wrong, you know, if you really want to play uh, a venture and put everything in fortitude and go full on uh, brawl, well, you can. That's mm -hmm. exactly the, the freedom of choice of, of the RPG and we want it to respect that. It's your game. It's the support and love you're giving us is amazing. And you should be able to play however you want, actually uh the every character has a preset on his on his sheet obviously as thomas said but also every character has a backstory it's not just you know uh, like they're not pure archetypes they have like a story they have a design they have um and this is something that you're going to learn through every prologue uh you're going to learn how your character what's his you know the story how sometimes how they became uh vampires like the Gangrel prologue is basically about the night she turned into a vampire. Uh, mm. This is the type of stuff we love. When I was storytelling, uh, story, when I you know create a scenario, 
we spend sometimes a night just playing the embrace, how we became vampire. This is something very uh, thrilling for a storyteller. And we wanted players to feel this type of things uh, as well. So when you're playing, when you're choosing a character, you're not just choosing uh, disciplines, which is very important for the game, obviously, but you're also uh, taking the, the, the shape of someone. You're incarnating someone, you're playing a role of a character, and the story is very important to us as well. There is also the, the flaws that we didn't talk about, sure, actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, every clan, of course, and character has some uh, specific flaws. This, is, this was the adaptation of the banes of every clan. Um, of course, it had to be um, you know, adapted to, uh, the, to uh, RPG in a box. So we've made it very simple. For example, the gang girl, um, the more hunger you have, the less uh, dice you have in the mental uh, throat because you're becoming more and more feral. Um, same thing for the Malkavian, which is uh, very paranoiac. So you're going to have less and less uh, social uh, dice because you have that anxiety building up. Uh, Torridor mm -hmm. has something else. Well, for example, the Tremere has some um, flaws of the usurper. They have usurper blood, so they cannot blood surge. Of course, they can mend wounds and everything, but you cannot use uh, a Ross check to rise the blood and, uh, and to do a blood surge to enhance your attributes. So we've uh, made those flaws available as well. And uh, yes, it, it gives us, it gives the player a whole dimension char character where you, it has history, flaws, specific disciplines, and preset skills. And I was going to say, it, it's from the sounds of it, there's also a lot of scope for um, beyond the characters that are presented in the core game. You could have a different Gangrel as a, for example, maybe, I don't know, in uh, a kick in a in a stretch goal expansion, so it is a gangrel, but its initial starting point is slightly different to the one that's already in the core game. So you get a different kind of play experience. I can see the scope for that as well. Well, you, you, there is also the possibility to play a KTF where your whole uh, sheet is completely blank, where you can put uh, two skills at three points, two skills at two points, and two skills at one point. You can also select the the your disciplines however you want. So you're really free to do exactly what you want. Thing is, of course, uh, KTF has uh, some uh, experience point cost uh, increase in terms of disciplines because no one is actually helping them to develop it. It doesn't have the support of a clan to to actually grow as you know as kindred. And yeah. of course, they're, they're socially shunned. Uh, they have a status problem, so yes, it's uh, the, the, we've made the the VTM V3 V5 everything that we loved in one very uh, simple, easiest, and uh, an immersive RPG in a box. Okay, um, I think we've covered pretty much all the questions, haven't we, James? Um, have yeah. you got any last points you wanted to raise? Um... No, no, I, I, I think you know I've got a good idea of uh, what the um, uh, what chapters is going to be, and you know it's uh, it sounds all very interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, I think uh, lastly, I mean to finish off uh, about components. So uh, within the box game, again, um, you're going to get what then eight miniatures that represent each of the playable characters. 
and three Kickstarter exclusive to start the campaign and probably more with stretch goals. Yeah, sure. Excellent. Oh, one thing we could talk uh, about is that Kickstarter exclusive actually, okay. uh, because uh, the campaign uh, when this podcast goes up is actually live. Um, there's three uh, miniatures. Yeah. Uh, one which is the werewolf living in the sewers of Montreal, very corrupted and rotten and uh, deformed. Um, there is uh, the one of the main protagonists of the story, which is uh, a Sabbath Kainite. And there is also Mr. Demp from uh, Bloodlines 2 uh, taking place in uh, Vampire the Masquerade chapter. So we've, uh, we were able to, um, you know, connect and merge the universe between Seattle, Bloodlines 2 and Montreal chapters. Excellent. Yeah, and some right. point you'll be even able to play this character. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, yeah. Really, thank you for taking the time to go through it. I think you've really um, laid it out quite well. And I think given our tastes in games, miniature games, board games and RPGs, I think you really do sound like you're covering all the bases with it. Uh, so if people want to find you, of course, you've got a Facebook page. Uh, you've got a Twitter uh, what's the Twitter address? It's twitter.com slash Flyers Games. Okay. You can find us at Flyers Games, yes. Yeah. And um, obviously, anything else social media-wise or YouTube channels, we'll, um, we'll gather all those links together and put them in the show notes for everyone. Uh, and then, obviously, if you're listening to this right now, people listening to this right now, um, the Kickstarter will be will have been live for literally like three days. Uh, so obviously we will include the link for the Kickstarter in this episode. Uh, and uh, I think that is everything on how they can get in contact with you and find stuff and back the game. Uh, from our side of things then, James, um, they can email us at darkadaysradio at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Twitter account at Darker Days Radio. We're on Facebook. We have a WordPress blog where uh, you can see painted miniatures uh, of various things. And I think that is pretty much it for social media because I've just not had time for anything like Twitch streaming or anything else. Um, oh, is that everything, I... James? Oh, or is there anything else? Sorry, go go for it, guys. Yeah, yeah, just one 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 thing that's we don't talk about it, but it's not going to be long. It's just about the team we gathered because for now you interviewed Thomas and I, and we really mm -hmm. appreciate it. I mean, this is a big honor for us to be interviewed, and we put all our heart and our time to this game. Uh, I mean, there's not every minute of the day that we don't work on this and try to improve things, but we also gathered a, a huge team of incredibly talented people. We have about eight, eight to 10 writers that will help us write every scenario of the game, all dialogues and stuff. We have perhaps five illustrators and some of, of the greatest on earth, like Mark Simonetti, Sergei Vaznev, they, their work is just crazy. Uh, sculptures, we have other game designers that will help us fine tune the rules. The testers, friends that are here for us. I mean, there's so many people working on this. So it's not just Thomas and I. Thomas and I are leading this. But the, the amount of people behind this project is huge. And we want to say thanks to these amazing people. Yeah, I, I, I think... Really cool. 
one of the obviously one of the writers involved is one of our podcasters as well is um is crystal mazer as well so i know she's yeah exactly you know, she's, she's, she's working with us i mean she's working with you yeah we met her at gen con and she's an incredible lady and her she has such a great sense of you know putting a storyline and how to describe characters and you know I, I, I think she even worked on uh chicago by night i mean she's in v5 yes big time so for us it's a big plus we're very happy to have her on board uh, excellent well. right well i think with all of that done uh, again well thank you again thank you james for uh helping me out with questions and thank you tomas and uh gary with just taking time to uh do this do this interview and uh mm. to thank everyone that's uh, listening and please uh, go back Vampire the Masquerade chapters, and we will be back with more exciting content in future. So, bye for now. <laughs>